A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. I was seeing a friend off at a rail station uh, in Cambridge in the UK and I helped her onto the train with her bags, you know, and uh, I gave her a, a kiss and a hug to say goodbye. And we heard the emergency buzzers going. And so as they started to go, I stepped back to get off and uh, my coat got trapped in the automatic closing doors. They just slammed two. And it was quite a thick Jeez. quality coat and there was no way I was going to pull it free. So... Um, I looked around for a guard on the platform and there wasn't one. So I just really yelled at the top of my voice for help, you know. And uh, yes. But nobody turned up um, at that point. So, um, so I was banging on the side of the windows, hoping that somebody would run through the, you know, the actual train itself and, and yeah. stop everything that was happening. But that wasn't to be. So uh, the engine wow. just started to rev up, you know, and it was just kind of like... It was getting pretty scary. Just that, just that sound was really kind of like the adrenaline was like, oh man, you know, this is not good. Um, sure. I remember, sorry, yeah, no, and sure, I looked, I like, yeah, cool. <laughs> and um, so I, I looked into um, my friend Anna, who I was seeing, I just saw her face, and just the look of you know sheer terror and fear in her eyes was just. It, that, that just stopped me in a yell. And I thought, wow, this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to die. I'm not going to survive this. Mm-hmm. So the train started pulling out the station and uh, uh, it went at a tremendous speed. Uh, you really don't realize how fast trains accelerate out of, a, out of a rail station. You know, when you're on inside, you, you're on your cell phones and you're just kind of texting people. You don't think about it. But when it's mm-hmm. on the outside, it's a different story. And it really went fast. And I lost my footing and I got dragged along the platform. Wow edge and then I got pulled between the space of the platform and the speeding train and and under the wheels under I went so that moment was just kind of like it was like time kind of stretched I remember seeing like the sides of the carriage doors almost disappearing into the sky as I fell down into this kind of you know darkened pit if you like and I was just tossed around relentlessly like a rag doll I was just like thrown from pillar to post um it was very Painful, very aggressive uh, experience. I was you know, fully conscious throughout the whole thing. Um, and uh, then I just suddenly got thrown to the ground after all this franticness. As the train continued to go on at great speed, it was a very long train. And I was lying in between the tracks as the train continued on. So I just kept my face down into the gravel and, um, and hope for hope for the best. Because I knew that it wasn't over, over yet. I thought part of the undercarriage could just come and whack me over the back of the head and that would be it. So I kept my face down. Right. Eventually it moved on. And it moved on down to the track and disappeared off into the, into the horizon, as it were. And there I was just staring up at this beautiful blue sky, totally amazed that I was alive and I'd survived that. Yeah. So you ended up under the train? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was I was underneath it, yeah. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the worst possible scenario, really, to, to 
that I thought I could ever go through. And I think the worst part wow. about it was that, um, unlike, say, a head-on collision in a car, I'm not underestimating how awful, awful that is. But right. for me, I could see the whole thing unfolding. Do you know what I mean? Even though it only took a matter of seconds for me to get pulled and then pulled under, it felt like minutes. Yeah. It's like time itself seemed to just kind of stretch out into this huge cinematic right. sort of film. And uh, so, yeah, so... It's- it was it, the anticipation of it all was just like kind of like really strange. I, I actually went into kind of you know you have this kind of fight or flight mode, and I went into fight mode, and I thought I'm not I'm not going to let this thing beat me. You know, the train suddenly became like this huge mechanical beast, and I thought right. oh, it's me, well, yeah. skin and bones against this thing. You know, and uh, so there you go. But I, I survived. Wow. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned in the book that uh, during those 13 seconds from being caught in the train door being dragged and eventually pulled underneath the train that it was as, as if you're as if you could feel your mind working in two parts like one in real time and then i think you mentioned like another part of your mind slowed down or time slowed down completely for you that's that's you exactly right yeah um yeah can you kind of explain that sensation i can do yeah it, it was it wasn't like things had gone into slow motion it's just that i'd suddenly got time to think everything through I was suddenly aware of of everything around me, my whole environment. It's like somebody just fitted a a, a huge 35-millimeter camera to me and I could see everywhere and experience everywhere and think about it. And uh, I've explained this to people before that I kind of went into almost like a sort of like – when you see the 007 movies and, and Indiana Jones, you know, where they have time to think it through. And and it was like that. It was surreal, but I did. I remember thinking about I'd, I'd seen this news item where a small child had been thrown from a burning apartment block from the third floor and had survived without any injuries. And they, they put that down to the fact that small infants don't tense up like we do as adults. So I just decided to relax. That was one of the wow. first things I thought, right, relax, you know. And, and I did. When I got pulled under, you know, I remember just, just relaxing my whole body. And... Um, yeah, so the, the, I saw an interview with this guy called uh, David Eagleman, who's who's a US neurologist. Uh, I think that's the right word, but a, a brain scientist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not trying to be too right, clever, yeah. you know. <laughs> and uh, he said that uh, this happens a lot with people who are who are facing death. It, it happens with these guys who climb these uh, huge mountains, you know, without any ropes, and then they're just about to fall or something like that. That same thing happens where time, he, he described it as as we go through life seeing th- th- uh, everything through a video lens to sun- suddenly having this beautiful panoramic view, and time sort of just slows down and, and you get time to think it through. And it is like a survival wow. mode, basically. So, yeah. So it's interesting. Wow. My, my mind was quite rational, but at the same time filled with absolute terror. So it's a really odd contrast, but I'm glad that I had that sense of uh, sort of um, thought, you know. And when you, um, after the train stopped and you kind of were lying still, were you conscious from that moment on into going to the hospital? You remember the entire process? Yeah, totally. I was very alert actually throughout the whole process, so I never lost consciousness. Uh, and um, yeah, you know, I remember when I laid on the track, you know, I just checked to see my wounds, you know, and and uh, this thick coat that I was wearing, it was like a sheepskin coat, was totally shredded, especially the wow. left arm, and and I noticed that my left arm had been 
cut right open. I could see all the workings with inside. And again, Jesus that was really odd. I gosh. didn't go into shock. I just kind of like thought, I remember looking and thinking, wow, that's the inside of my arm. That's me. That's how it all works. I could see every single nerve ending and, and, and muscle. It yeah. was just, you know, it was remarkable. But um, the, the emergency guys arrived really quick. Uh, they were there like within minutes and they, they jumped down on the track and they somehow they managed to cut through my clothing and get me on a stretcher, you know, yeah, and off yeah. the track, which is a, it's a huge drop, obviously, as you all know, you stand on the train platform edge and you look down, it's a long way down, but they got me up and uh, they, they raced me down, down the highway uh, to hospital, which was like a sort of like a, a, a half hour sort of drive and the siren was just going wild and I, we were just going like a rocket, you know, but the yeah. doctor said, can you hang on in there? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll hang on. You know, he was good. He kept me going. He kept me, you know, these guys are amazing, as, as we all know. And mm -hmm. uh, But he really kept me calm. And um, we arrived in the hospital, and there was a, there was a whole team waiting for me. As we went, we, they wheeled me into the emergency department, and there was, like, surgeons and doctors uh, uh, all waiting there, you know. And I could hear all this mad science going above, all these figures going, like, hey, he needs an E45. No, no, 746. And I was going, well, what's one of those, you know? And so I was starting to get a bit scared because I thought, I'm losing a lot of blood here. My arm, my left arm had been severed, severed from the elbow down. And, um, and they sounded scared. So mm -hmm. I thought, it's not all over yet, is it? So, and my family arrived pretty quick, actually. They were in the hospital, you know, and they get, they seemed to get there really quick. And so the, the consultant who was in charge of the whole thing said, look, your family are here. Can you see any of them? And, or would you like to? And I said, yeah, send them all through, you know. So <laughs> they all came in and uh, my mum was in tears, you know. She was just like sobbing away there. And uh, I just, you know. And... Um, uh, my friend Anna was there as well, who who I'd seen off. The one so you that was off great. The train, so right, yeah. That's right, yeah. Because I was really concerned about her, and not only that, we 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 gained a, a kind of bond when you've been through something as huge as that. That person is yeah. the main focus that you're you're concerned about. And I said I need to speak to Anna, you know. So she sure. came over and she was just stood there, going like this. Her head was just going. I can't believe you're alive. You know, they told me you were dead. They said you were dead. You know, so, oh, wow. yeah. Um, wow. But um, yeah, <laughs> so um, it was. It was at that point that um, I left. I left all that franticness. I left all the pain that was just completely overwhelming me, and I suddenly went to a, a darkened space. I'd left my body. I'd left everything, and and. I was in what seemed like a darkened room, um, but it was really comforting. It was beautiful, and uh, and I just lay there and uh, and I just thought, where am I? And I just kind of looked around me and and realised that I was no longer on a on the hospital sort of trolley. I was right. now on lay on a big sort of it was like a huge rock. It was like a like a medieval altar, um, if you like, and um, and it felt actually really comfortable to to lay on. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial. 